Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 315. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans, welcome back to another week, another episode. I hope you're all keeping safe and well, and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Yes. Any Doctor Who relatable stuff? Stop watching that football. Don't watch the footy. <laughs> Get some, yeah, don't forget the footy, although it's coming home, it's coming home. Oh, but God. forget the footy, you can get some Doctor Who on. <laughs> the problem with that song is it gives you terrible earworm for hours afterwards. Oh, tell me it's about a catchy it. one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So football. I was saying, go on. I was guess I was saying yesterday though, wouldn't it be lovely to have written a song that you could just <laughs> that is so popular that you never have to work again? <laughs> like that song, oh, yeah. you know, just sells the sells the sells. I'd I'd love to write a hit record. Just live off the profits the rest of my life. <laughs> it's a bit like All I Want for Christmas by Mariah yes. Carey. Yes. She had a fair few quid anyway, but even if that was the only song that she had, because I think she's got writing credit on that one. Yeah. And that gets played every, I think I read somewhere, this is a few years now, there's some, some newspaper or some blog did a thing on it. I think that song gets played several hundred times once an hour between December or November the something up until the 27th of December or something like that. So I think that coins in, I don't know, millions, millions of dollars once a year. So she doesn't have, yeah, if it was just that one song, it'd be set for life, really. Yeah. Just imagine Baddiel and Skinner are like, yes, 
<laughs> we can I can get that new Mercedes I've been looking at now. Or <laughs> do you know what? I wonder if they did yeah, have writing. Yeah, I wonder if they did have writing credit on that because I know the Lightning Seeds was the band that. Oh, actually, surely they must. Stop. I don't sure. know. Well, it would be cool if they did. Yeah, I'd like um, to think they did. Yeah. Frank Skinner would absolutely buy some Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> he would. Actually, I'm wondering what's happened to Frank, because he used to be at all the BFI events, didn't he? He was always there. Um, but I haven't seen him at the last couple. Um, I mean, I know they haven't mm. done many recently because of COVID, but, yeah, the last couple I've been to, he, he hasn't been there. But, he's, he's yeah, a big Doctor Who fan, Frank. Yeah. Does he still do radio? Is he still on the radio? Was he on Radio I X or so. something? Yeah, I think he does yeah. that show. Yeah, he's quite. he's a funny guy, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, Perkins. Do you think we'll ever see Perkins again? Oh, yeah. Yep. No, we'll never see him again. <laughs> I, I bet that killed Frank doing never that scene. When, when the doctor's like, do you want to come, do you want to come along? And Perkins is like, nah, don't need a woman. <laughs> I bet Frank was in his head and was going, yes, yes, I want to be the new companion. Oh, no, yeah. What story was that? Is that Mummy, Mummy on the Orient Express? On the Orient Express, yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. good one, that. Yeah. yeah, not a bad one. Yeah. Not a bad one at all. See how I brought it back round to Doctor Who listeners? There we were, talking about football. I brought it back round. That's professional podcasting That's, for you right yes. there. There yeah, you yeah. go. Talking about the very core subject of the podcast itself. <laughs> Bring it round. Right. You had a good week, bud. Actually, before you get on to yours, I've, I've get mine out of the way. I've not done any, I haven't watched any additional Who or anything. Oh, what? Busy one, yeah. So have quiet you not broken me. open that season 24 yet? No, I've opened it. You have? I, that's as far as I've got. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. So I've not done anything else, but I think you've been up to something. I, well, I've been, yeah, I've been getting about. Here we go. Having, I've had a quite good few days. I must just quickly say, though, I have been blitzing through more of the season 24. It's a, God, it is a, a gem. It's such a treat. Um, yeah, I think I've only got the McCoy interview to go now. I think that's the only bit I haven't watched. Um, but, ah, oh, so good. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I, so I had a bit of a spontaneous day up in London. A friend of mine um, messaged me and said he was going to try and meet Peter Capaldi and Paul McGann because they're, they're both doing plays up in uh, in the big smoke. And uh, he said, oh, do you want to come with me and try and meet them? Of course, I've got this blimmin' tooth thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll see how I feel on the day. Anyway, I woke up and I thought, yeah, I'm going to go. And um, oh, I'm so glad I did. It was brilliant. We we got there and about 10 minutes after I met up with him at the theatre, uh, Capaldi comes walking along, cool as a cucumber. Um, he kind of looks like the Doctor because he wears like a T-shirt with a suit jacket. And oh, he just yeah. Looks, yeah. He's such a dude. <laughs> um, and he, uh, there was about probably seven or eight of us waiting to meet him uh so not many people uh which is nice and um yeah he just he just signed and chatted and he's he was a little reserved i think i I hear he's had a bad experience with dealers um recently apparently he he went ballistic outside the theater a couple of days ago at the dealers because to be fair i i mean i've experienced them a lot because you know whenever i go to a meet a celebrity at a stage door or I see them at an event or if I'm at the BFI I, I do see these familiar faces that have become known as dealers and they do you know um have, they, they just keep going back for stuff and he's clocked onto it and even though he asked for a dedication I think he's he's apparently when he was shouting at him the other week he's like I know you just wiped the dedication off so he seemed a little reserved he was like he, he signed but he was being a bit cautious and um yeah he didn't stay long and then we blitzed across to Greenwich to meet McGann mate McGann is just an absolute <laughs> dude. So he comes waltzing along and he comes straight over to us. And there were two, so there was me and my friend and, and uh, another person and then two 
familiar faces who are dealers. I mean, I recognise them straight away. I see it. They're always there trying to get autographs. But, you know, um, that's what it is. Anyway, McGann comes over and he's just so friendly. And he will just sign everything. And he doesn't, he didn't care. I mean, so <laughs> I, I, that, my friend who I was with overheard the dealer saying to his other mate dealer, how many you got, mate? He's like, I've got 15 for him to sign. What about you? Yeah, I've got 15. I was like, 15 items? I was thinking, I've got to get in front of these guys because I've only got one thing. So I get Paul to sign it. I had a bit of a chat about Big Finish very briefly and uh, and um, he said something that made me laugh. I don't know, he's just a really, really friendly guy. And I moved aside and then he starts joking with his dealers. He's like, how many you got? And the guy's like, um, uh, 15. No, he, he signed a couple. He said, how many more? He said, oh, 10. And McGann said something, he's like, what, blimmin' heck, and he, but he was laughing and joking, and he just signed everything, and then the next dealer moved on with his 15 covers and pictures, and McGann just signed and chatted and was laughing, and I took a couple of pictures of him, like, signing and stuff, but he didn't care, he just was <laughs> like, whatever, and he was just chatting away, and it, I mean, I just can't go over how relaxed and, and brilliant he was, I mean, I met him a couple of times, and it's always been at a convention, so I, I, you sort of you hope people are going to be nice when you're paying to meet them. But when you're just sort of taking the chance at a stage door, well, you know, you're, you're sort of you're being a bit cheeky anyway. But for him to be that engaging and friendly was just uh, amazing. Yeah, I That's just kind awesome. of just stood yeah. back for a second and watched him because I thought if I know if I recognise those two guys and I know that dealers, he must know. Mm. He must know. They've been they probably go there every day with all this stuff, but he just didn't care. <laughs> absolute legend mate really really nice guy Paul well and Peter just Peter was very reserved I think he's he's probably had enough of the dealers but he's yeah. had it but yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so that was cool so it's, it's such a buzz I said to my friend we went for a quick pint afterwards of course and we sat there and I, we're, I, we'd only got one autograph each you know I don't take the mickey just sat there got an autograph from Paul autograph from Peter picture with both of them and i just said you know it's such a buzz getting to meet them and you sit there and you go oh that's so cool i got these pictures signed and it's quite addictive because you're like oh who should we try and meet next you know and it's it, it was yeah it was a really good day so so yeah but legends both of them absolute legends but I've, the one i've got to get is tenant i have still is still the only doctor i've never met so i must uh. get it the grail, yeah. the holy grail. The holy grail. I'm really hoping that when conventions start up again, he does a few UK ones. Because, yes, he's still the one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell him. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, you have got all the You've got the rest, haven't you? You've got all the... Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. lucky. I've got all the rest, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even Jody. We've even got a picture with Jody. Yeah, he'll, he'll happen, mate. Tell him, it will happen at some point. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, yeah, because he is a bit of, like you said, he's a bit of the holy grail, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, but for yeah, a long time, we, we thought that uh, Eccleston was going to be the the holy grail. It turns out that he's done more conventions than Tennant, I think, in the last two or three years. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. Actually, it's funny because um, this, this sort of earwigging with this dealer, I kind of sort of witnessed this, actually. When I went to a book signing with Eccleston, um, I did hear that he'd had a bit, well, I sort of more or less saw it, he had a bit of a... He, he got in the this he basically had a bit of a ruckus with um, a very well-known dealer and they were talking about that story yesterday Eccleston um how can I put it he's just uh, not afraid to stand up for himself and was basically <laughs> gonna punch this guy's lights out <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have seen that I'd love to Did have that seen that co- yeah he's basically gonna punch his lights out and it's absolutely true he basically said to this guy 
I'm not signed in for you again. And then it really kicked off. But um, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas I think sort of Peter and that are a bit more, you know, sorry, I'm not signed in. But Eccleston was apparently put his stuff down and was ready to lay that guy out. Yeah. The thing is, I know, I know who you mean as well. I, I, yeah. I think if I was to describe, I won't do it on the show, but if, yeah. if I was to describe him, one of these dealers, you'd be like, yep, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is, there is a sort of one. There's, there's two that I, that you and I have been to, um, you know, the years of going to um, LFCC and BFI. Mm. I think I know who you mean, but the thing is, it wouldn't be so bad if they weren't such assholes all the time. Mm. It wouldn't be so bad. So if they, because what happens is when, for listeners that are not, not sure what Adam's talking about, what happens is when an event's finished or you're, you know, you're meeting somebody at the stage door or something like that. Um, these dealers will just push right to the front and they'll yeah. be oh, really yeah. like, they'll be really just. Is it they're aggressive? Yeah, like really. So you might have, uh, I don't know, let's say for argument's sake, 10, 15 people having, having a wait. All lovely people, you know, for the most part, when Who fans get together, you know, it's all, it's all good. But you just get these couple of dealers that. Yeah, they just bring, they just make it a, an awkward atmosphere as well because the person like Capaldi, I guess, that you, you witnessed, they, they just start to feel a little bit like, oh, I just don't want to be involved in this. You know, I don't mind genuine fans who want to come and say hello, you know, happy to sign something. But the dealers, I've got no time for them because they, no, they, they, can't, yeah. they can be aggressive. There's a couple mm. of YouTube videos. There's a guy who films sort of all the, the people arriving at like Radio One, for example. And uh, they, the dealers can be really quite aggressive. They will just push everyone out of the way. And I think there's some clip that became quite famous where they um, sort of pushed this woman had got a kid, a very young kid, almost like a baby, but a little bit older, and pushed them out of the way to get, you know. And, yeah, they, they can be very a bit aggressive. Not all of them. I mean, the guy who was ASU began, I've seen him a few times, and he's a bit of a character. And I wouldn't say he's like one of the bad ones. He's still a dealer. And a dealer being someone who goes and gets lots of autographs and then sells them online. You know, that's what Capaldi doesn't like. They're making money out of his autograph. That's, you know, for anyone who's not sure what I'm on about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the one yesterday, he's a bit of a character, a bit of a, all right, mate, you know, be, and he always talks to me, and I, which is fine. I don't mind. But it's just that when, when the celebrity comes out, you don't want them to think you're a dealer because that's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing I don't like about the dealers is, how can the person like Capaldi or when I met Pearl Mackie when she was really funny with me, I swear she thought I was a dealer. You know, how do that, how can they tell who's a genuine fan and who's a dealer? I mean, I wore my, mm. my top with the big TARDIS on the front, hoping that would say, look, I'm a genuine fan. <laughs> you know, I'm not a dealer. And I only took one thing, you know, I didn't, didn't take loads of stuff up to get signed, but yeah. Oh, mate, I'll read you. Yeah. But it was a good day. Really, really cool day. I mean, absolute legend. Yeah. Cool. No, that sounds good, dude. Yeah, it's good. But I haven't been doing anything else. I've just been, yeah, watched Torchwood, obviously. And that, that's it. It's been me. That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, bit of footy. So, our podcast listener, I hope you are, um, yeah, doing well and having a good week. If you're in the UK and you're watching a bit of the old footy, it's all good. And uh, you're keeping safe and all that. If this is the first time that you have discovered our show, uh, we'd love to have you as a follower or a subscriber on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on you can uh, listen for free on all of those stuff and uh, we've just recently jumped onto a new directory as well so we're, we're on all of the big ones you know all the like apple podcasts and spotify stitcher all that stuff we're on all of those uh, but we've just jumped onto one called good pods uh, i believe it's called which is a new kind of uh, kind of directory for podcasts it's a bit like 
uh, Netflix, but for podcasts, if you like. Uh, so we're on there as well. So if you're a good pods listener, uh, then jump on and uh, you can follow us on there and all that stuff. And whatever app you listen on, if it gives you the ability to give us a rating or a, a review or something like that, if you've got just 30 seconds or a minute to leave one, that would be awesome. And thank you so much to our uh, all, the, all the listeners that have given us reviews thus far. It's um, You've said some lovely things. So uh, very much appreciated for that. It's all good. So yeah, listen for free, whatever app you get your podcasts on. Uh, we're on the um, the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come give us a like and a follow as we chat Doctor Who throughout the week between episodes. And you can find links to those on our website, which is www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And you can listen again to all the episodes. They're all listed on there if you want to listen in your browser. But we've also got all of our reviews and articles that go out from our core writing team. And one landed this morning, which is a little bit... A little bit controversial, well, no, not oh. controversial. It's a little bit of a, uh, so our writer, Mark. Um, oh, he is controversial, Mark. Mark oh. Donaldson, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. What a guy. Uh, he's basically dropped a bunch of truth bombs about how he feels about Doctor Who as it currently stands. <laughs> and uh, the title of the article is, Don't You Think It Looks Tired? Oh, no. I haven't, I haven't read that yet. I'll have to give it a read. So give it a read. Uh, we posted it on socials this morning. It's got a bunch of likes already, so I think it's going to be a good one. So uh, so oh, go and right. check it out. Plus, we've got the other, uh, all the other stuff that our writers put out on the, on the website, which is very cool. And we've got another writer to announce. There'll be an official thing going out on the socials too. So, so we have Matt, who we announced last week or the week before. And now we've got another new writer, Harry. He's going to be jumping on board as well. You'll find some more information about those two in the next few days. Uh, and also jumping over to our discord server, uh, sign up on the website. It only takes like 30 seconds a minute. Sign up. You can hang out with all the other doctor who fans in our community. Got some really lovely people over there chatting about everything to do with doctor who. So go and check that out as well. And lastly, remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is of course the geeks handbag the geeks handbag. Now I'm not just giving myself gratuitous plug here, mate, but <laughs> I am, I, I am working on a video which I am just loving. I can't wait to put it out. And the ironic thing is I filmed it ages ago, <laughs> if not years ago, and it's been sat there waiting to be edited. It's a location video. Um, and I finally started editing it. And, my, and I'm just, I, I can't believe, like there's just so many fun bits in it that I'd forgotten about. Like there's a bit where I go on a miniature train. <laughs> and I was like, why, why have I not? <laughs> Why have I not edited this and put this out? So I'm working on that, and I'm really looking forward to getting that out. It's such a fun little video. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah I'm not just saying that to plug my channel. I really am excited to get this video out. I just hope I can finish it because I do lose interest quickly. <laughs> I start these things, and then I just get bored of editing. I don't like editing very much. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go check out my YouTube channel. I need to get myself on TikTok, though, dude, just very quickly. I watched a program on money the other day, Kathy Burke, talking about money. She's talking to these teenagers that do TikTok and, and have got like a mansion out in East oh, Sussex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they've earned in millions yeah. just by sitting in a bath with a mask on. And, and I'm thinking, wow, I wouldn't mind a bit of that. Millions. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing, mate. If you can, uh, yeah. I couldn't Popular believe YouTubers it, and seeing. TikTokers, it's all the, th yeah, 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 yeah. But I couldn't understand what was good about it. I'm like, so they they wear a mask and they sit in the bath and that's got... 10 billion views and brought in $1 million. What's going on? I just don't, <laughs> the world has passed me by. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam's not on TikTok. 
But, no, but I am I am earning one p a year on YouTube. So go, <laughs> go and have a look at my YouTube channel. Get me another couple of pennies. So on the, on the subject of the social. So anyway, go and check him out on YouTube, the Geeks Handbag. And uh, but on the subject of socials, he's not on TikTok yet, by the sound of it. But he is no. on all the other ones: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the same oh, yeah. name, the Geeks Handbag. So go and check that out as well. That's, that's right. <laughs> now that's out of the way. We have got one new story to get into. I've got a bit of news. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do that. Just when we thought that the BBC had treated Doctor Who like, you know, when you have a kid's party and there's just one annoying kid that you don't really want to have to deal with. So you just leave them to it. You don't really want to claim responsibility because they're the ones that kind of show you up in public. Everyone looks, oh, that misbehaving little kid. Just stick him in the corner, you know. Just when we thought the BBC was going to carry on that, <laughs> that kind of thing about Doctor Who, it just drops this bomb out of nowhere that uh, they're going to have their own uh, panel at Comic-Con this year. Oh, all wow. about, all about Series 13, no less. Wow. Which is cool. Because there, that was the thing that we were, I think we spoke about this ages ago. We were thinking with the pandemic and everything, it's quite difficult to arrange these things online. I say difficult, it's like, it's difficult to keep track of those things online or more yeah. difficult because with time zones and stuff like that, um, uh, it's not too bad when the event's on properly because you can just go back and watch the highlights afterwards or you can just... You know, they'll just put that panel up on a YouTube channel afterwards and blah, blah, blah. But when everything's live stream, live streamed uh, from another time zone and stuff like that, it can be a bit tricky. So Comic-Con this year, Doctor Who confirms that it does have a panel all about Series 13 and also teases, quote unquote, a very special surprise guest. So going to be present at the panel already announced is Jodie Whittaker and Mandip Gill alongside new companion John Bishop. So those guys, along with Chris Chibnall, they will be there. Um, so, although this is a, although again this is a virtual panel, um, at least we know now it's not going to be one of those things where in the morning, like, is Doctor Who going to show up? Is Doctor Who going to show up? At least now we can plan this in, which is good. So the twenty fifth of July, San Diego Comic Con, we are going to get a proper bit of Doctor Who marketing. People involved in the show talking about series thirteen, which is good. So that in itself. Uh, is kind of cool news. But what everybody is talking about is who the special guest is going to be. There's going to be a lot of... There has been a lot of chat around this special guest presumably being somebody who is in the show, we think. Uh, he's going to be in Series 13. Uh, it could be a character that we have absolutely no knowledge of. It could be a brand new character. It could be somebody coming back. It could be a favourite. I don't know. Alex Kingston could show up. River's back. Something like that. It could be whatever. But dude, it's a good little bit of good news that we've got some, that the BBC are actually out there doing something to promote the show, which they've done very poorly. Uh, which, you you know, there's no arguments about that. Who fans that are listening? The BBC haven't done a great job of late the last couple of years of promoting that stuff. So it's good that we're getting this. Yes, it is good. Yeah, I was I was laughing earlier when you said about Chibnall because I had visions of him sort of <laughs> like, you know, watching everything they say sort of with, with a gun under the table like don't say don't tell them anything uh like they were at the other 
um, panel that they did a few years ago. Yeah, it is great. It's great to see who back on the, the Comic-Con panel's guest. I have no idea who this special guest could be. I mean, before all the hoo-ha, I probably would have guessed Barrowman. I'd have been like, oh, it's probably Barrowman, but obviously it won't be him. Um, so who could it be? You, I mean, people are saying, oh, could it be the announcement of the 14th Doctor? No. No, no way would so. they do They wouldn't do that. They, that would almost be cruel, I think, because if Jodie's on the panel, that would just be weird. Um, so, no, I don't think it'll be the new Doctor. Um, I don't know. Who could it be? <laughs> I've absolutely no idea. Mm. I, I've just got visions of, like, Michelle Gomez, or like you said, um, Alex Kingston, or someone like that just walking out on the place. You know, it, it would go mad. But, yeah, I have no idea at all. I, I hope it's not going to be a disappointment, because if it's sort of a bit of a nobody... <laughs> well, or somebody like you know, <laughs> yeah that's well that's yeah <laughs> everyone's going to be pumped and then welcome on stage blah 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 and everyone's like oh who's that then yeah oh that might be like, good okay just just some real yeah. sort of bit part actor that no one really cares but i don't know i just uh, just yeah, I have no clue who it could be. I'm quite excited to find out. When's it? 25th of July? Oh, yeah, so a, few got weeks a couple time. of weeks. Yeah, yeah on yeah. Sunday. So that's not too bad. Yeah. So the um, I think the uh, the two favourites to show up is uh, a lot of people are saying Alex Kingston. They want River uh, to come back at some point. Even though that would be weird based on the the last story that she did in the Capaldi episode. Oh, yeah, you true. Know? The story's kind of done, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would be weird. Uh, the other one is a lot of fans are hoping for uh, Sacha Dewan to come back as the master. So that might be good as well. He might jump on and be and be nuts for a little while. That'd be good. Uh, oh, it could be yeah. Joe, it could be Joe Martin, dude. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Could be Joe Martin. Yeah. Yeah, because she's so she is um she's shown great interest in wanting to come back and play uh, that yeah. role again. So it could be. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And uh yeah, so this is at the radiotimes.com uh, that we saw this story. And inevitably down towards the end of the article uh, there have been rumours about Whitaker could be set to leave afterwards, blah, blah, blah. But then apparently a BBC insider has told RadioTimes.com, I don't know who this insider is, uh, as ever, bosses are staying tight-lipped about what they have planned, but filming is still going on, so they mm. clearly have plans for episodes to be playing out much later into 2022, so there's lots more to come from Jodie's Doctor. So I think the announcement and that, like you said, I think an announcement for a new doctor at something like this would be completely off the table. That's not really how they, yeah, I can't see that dude, but yeah. I, I was going to say, I've got a bit of a theory on the whole new doctor thing. I, do you know, I don't think we're going to get a new doctor anywhere near as soon as people think. I, I've got a feeling we're going to get this two special thing with Joni next year, which frees her up as an actress to do other things. So they probably said to her, can you carry on, do another couple of specials next year, do other stuff in between? Because let's face it, it's not going to take her all year to film those two specials. Then that, am I right in saying, that leads into the 60th, is that right? That would be the 60th the following year? Uh, 2023, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's, so I reckon, yeah, they've said to Jodie, stay on, do these two specials, um, go and do other work, and, we'll, and then we'll <laughs> look at the 60th, try and get you, David... Matt, whatever, Aircroston, come on, do a 60th, and then, yeah, who knows, go from there, that maybe we'll cast a new Doctor, maybe we'll give the show a rest, maybe we'll, you know what I mean? So I reckon they're just biding their time just to get up to the 60th, get the 60th done, yeah, maybe get a new Doctor then, or maybe, yeah, rest the show, that's that's my theory. I don't think there's a new Doctor coming in anytime soon. Mm, yeah, you could be right, dude. 
That sounds decent. I love the way you put it as well. Just two specials next year. Get yeah. yourself busy. Go yeah, that's and- right. Yeah, go. <laughs> Corey, Corey needs some people. <laughs> EastEnders is always there for you if you need it. Uh, you know, yeah, go and enjoy yourself. But do come back for those specials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah Jodie and Eccleston in the 60th. Oh. I, don't think I still don't think he'll come back. He'll be in his car, won't he, saying, no, I'm only doing audio. That's too much north as well. That's too much too too much. too much northern doctor going on as well. Oh, yeah, it'd be crackers. Joking, of course. Of course. So there we go. Comic-Con, Doctor Who's going to be there. Yeah, if you go back, yeah, if you go back on YouTube, actually, if you jump on YouTube, listener, and just do a search for Doctor Who Comic-Con, over the years, there's been some fantastic panels that they've done, some really entertaining ones where uh, RTD, Eccleston, uh, sorry, RTD, uh, David Tennant and John Barrowman, those guys have all had a just a massive mess around. It's been really entertaining. They've done a uh, specific one about certain uh, upcoming specials that they've dropped at Comic-Con. So it has the potential to drop some some big news. I'm not saying it's going through this year, but they are pretty entertaining and they ha- they can do some cool stuff. So yeah, go back and look at some some previous ones. It's all good. Yeah. Right, review time, bud. Moving on, what we got? Yeah, so it's uh, we're doing Torchwood this week with an episode called A Day in the Death. My name is Dr. Owen Harper. Three days ago, I died and they think I'm fine. But they're wrong. So, you ready to jump? Torchwood Officer 565, I'm relieving you of your position. What's wrong with you? I'm broken, Josh! The hell are you? Parker's house. There's an energy spike coming from it. What are you? Heat sensors. How do we get past them? I'm literally too cool for school. You're Torchwood, yeah? And I'm having one hell of a day. Owen Harper. (laughs) Whispers Uh, along in this one. Falls in love with a shiny rock. Yeah. The pulse. <laughs> a day in the death. It was first broadcast back on the 27th of February 2008. It was uh, written by Joseph Lidster. Why do I know that name? Oh, well, yeah, Joe's, you Joe. know, Joe. We know, we Joe. know Joe. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Yeah, we've met him a few. I think we've met him a few times, haven't we? We have, yeah, but yeah. a few tricks of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah written by Joe, Joseph Lister, directed by Andy Goddard, and stars the usual Torchwood uh, crew for Series 2. We're still on Series 2, bloody hell. I know, I know. Right, synopsis. Owen chats with a suicidal woman on a rooftop, reflecting on his adjustment, or lack thereof, to his new life, or lack thereof. Uh, will a mission with Torchwood assist in his salvation, or bring about the end of the world? High stakes. Yeah. For Owen. So what do you reckon to this one, bud? Gosh, I, you know, I feel really bad saying this because we, we have met Joe a couple of times and I do occasionally meet up with him for a drink. Uh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I struggled <laughs> with this massively, this episode. I really couldn't get into it. Um, I found it really hard going. Uh, I don't know. The saving grace for me was Bern Gorman giving an absolutely fantastic performance but the episode is just the content, really. Just, I don't know. I kept looking at the clock thinking, gosh, only 10 minutes in. It, it just really, really failed to um, engage with me. It just seemed to be Owen 
take, you know, the whole episode is just Owen sort of cracking up and coming to terms with being dead, which is fine, but it, it went on for about half an hour. Then they suddenly bring in the storyline of he's got to get this shell or whatever it is um, back. Um, but the whole Torchwood cast just looks so bored. As I said, if it wasn't for Bern Gorman giving a fantastic performance, because it's really all about him, um, the rest of the cast just look bored to death. Um, and then there's a strange storyline with this woman who's going to jump off a roof, which doesn't really go anywhere. Um, yeah, it, I just couldn't get into it. I was I was just really bored throughout pretty much the whole episode. And it, you know, the conclusion you is, is you know suddenly Richard Briers pops up, and I thought, oh, Richard Briers, okay, so it sort of piques my interest a bit. And he he gives a great performance in the in the sort of small scene he's in. But Owen then takes this shell to the rooftop and it just ends i mean is he going to carry the shell around with him forever now this <laughs> this comforting shell i mean what was it about i just yeah it, it did nothing for me and i'm really sorry joe if i it's <laughs> probably going to kill me next time he sees me but i, I just i just couldn't get into it uh, I, I just found it really boring it, it oh. just felt like a filler episode and you got martha as well martha's been brought, brought back and she does absolutely sod all you know i mean what's the point of bringing martha back you know, she she leaves at the end. Oh, I'm going to go then. Bye. And I thought, God, well, you know, I bet she wonders why she's even brought back into the series. Um, I do wonder if it maybe lost a bit of momentum because obviously we would have reviewed this weeks ago if mm. if um, you know we had a break and stuff. So I'm just thinking because this is sort of a the last three episodes have sort of been loosely linked, haven't they, to do to build up to this. So I'm sort of thinking I don't know if I've lost a bit of momentum there by the fact we've had a big gap between the last episode of this one, it, maybe it, it would have flowed better. Do you know what I mean? If you were watching this week after week when they were transmitted, it might have had more impact on me, I think. But mm-hmm. um, no, I just I just found it really dull. I, I really, really just was bored. Mm. Now, there was, I can't really think of much in it at all that I liked apart from Richard Bryars. Because <laughs> oh I just really like Richard Bryars. So yes, I'm sorry. Not, not, not a good one for me, this one. It felt like a filler. Mm. No apology needed. Well, I just feel sorry for Joe because I love Joe Lister. I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, mm. I kind of, I kind of agree with you. I kind of, but I actually quite like it, mate. I quite like, like this episode. It. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you do because that balances. Yeah. Things up. Yeah. So don't get me wrong; it doesn't have the what's the you know it doesn't have the high octane sort of big action sequences and stuff that we have in in quite a few Torchwood episodes, admittedly. But I think it does have a really good almost reset point for for Owen. Because um they could have easily killed his character off. Well, what is going on with his character? Because I, I can't remember. Like I know he's He's not in latest the latest series of torture. I'm, I'm trying to think how he does he eventually just does he suddenly die? I don't know what happens to him. I can't remember. Um, well, maybe we shouldn't say. Let it. Let me be surprised when I see it. But yeah. So I mean, it might have been. In I some thought res- he blew up at the yeah. end of the story. <laughs> in in some respects, it might have been better to to have killed him off at this point. I'm not saying they should have done, but. Because um, what they're what they're kind of doing is, so the the previous episode, Dead Man Walking, he gets possessed, doesn't he, by this creature that's trying to come through from another dimension through him. 
because of his near-death experience and, you know, being in the darkness, as they call it. And they reference it at a couple of points in this episode as well. So on the rooftop, when he's talking to Maggie, she asks him, I think, you know, what death is like and all the rest of it. And he's like, oh, it's just darkness and that sort of thing. And when he's talking to uh, Richard Breyer's character later on uh, in the story, they also mention, you know, they very specifically describe it as the darkness and stuff like that. So in the previous story, that, that stuff was all cool. And when he was possessed and when he was going mad and all the rest of it, that was kind of cool. But I think in this one, I think what they're trying to get across is it's a bit of a, right, Owen's essentially, he's basically a zombie, right? He's dead. Mm. He can't feel anything. He can't emote really to anything with things like tears or, you know, anything like that. He can't kill himself. There was a couple of dodgy scenes in this one where he tried to commit suicide. He jumps in in the bay. I thought we were going to see the Doctor Who experience when uh, I know, he's legging same. off down the, um, yeah. down the pier and jumps into the bay in Cardiff <laughs> uh, and he can't die. And then some other bits. So I feel like it's a bit of a, okay, we did this story where Owen dies. Now we have to set something up so that he can still be in the show. But if you want to understand, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen this in so long, the rest of Torchwood, but there's a couple of times where they do play on the fact, but as a new watcher, you'd have to go back to this story to understand why, why Owen can't do certain things or, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so I think it's called cool in that respect, but I think like you were saying, um, I, th- I think that the main thing is Bern Gorman's performance. I think that carries it enough, oh, God, just yeah. enough. And I also like that the rest of the, the hub, crew just sort of get out the way because what we found in quite a few previous Torchwood stories is when something's going on it always gets overshadowed by some stupid flirty moment between some of the other characters like we've seen a few stories where something important's about to happen or the focus is on something in the story but then there's like a lingering look between you know, mm. um, Gwen, uh, and, Gwen Jack and Jack or, or something yeah. like that. And then you think, why are they doing that? It has mm. no, it has no significance to the story that we're watching right now. You know, nothing. It's just weird. So I like that in this one, the rest of them just sort of back off a little bit and they do focus on, on Bern Gorman's performance and Owen's sort of reset story. Cause from this point onwards, I think Martha says to him, look, you've cut your hand open, but you never heal. So you're going to need to stitch this up all the time and stuff like that. So they kind of lays, I think it's like a meta, like some, some default information for the character moving forward. Mm. Um, but I think it was written perfectly for his character though. I think one thing that Joseph Lister did do very well was not to make Owen some kind of, uh, what's the word? Not to make him some kind of martyr, I think is the best way to describe it. They, mm. the, he understands very well that Owen's character can still be a bit of a beep now and then. He can be a bit self-destructive, and he can be it's a li- yeah, and he can be a little bit, um, sort of very quickly uptight and frustrated. So in this one, he's even more so. So when Jack says to him, "I need your gun," and you you know you're off the team for a little while, you mm. know he loses his rag a little bit and stuff like that. But it's not until the very end that he kind of 
has the same realization that Maggie does on the rooftop. The both of them have kind of given each other a bit of therapy. So at the end of it, with the beautiful little pulse alien shell thing, which is a bit of a weird. That's the only thing I didn't like was the the ending, where um, instead of Owen saying to Maggie, "Look," because it's kind of nice. It leads up to what you think is going to be a nice moment. He's like, "Look, if you think that you're all consumed by the darkness, then fine, jump." However, if there's just even a little spark of light in your life sort of thing, then that's worth living for. But then he kind of rounds it out by saying, you know, a bit like this pulse, you know, something as beautiful as this can make you worth living and going on for sort of thing. But she has no clue what that is, this shell thing. I didn't get the shell at all. I didn't get the whole concept of the shell. Like, why does that make change? Owens just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would find that shell beautiful. I get it submitting the, this thing, you know, but I, I mean, does he give it to her? Is that, is that does that mm. save it? Like, it's not good. I don't think we're going to see that shell again, are we? Like, he's I, not going to, no. in next week's episode, he's not going to be sat on the sofa with his arm around the shell watching friends, is he? I mean, I just, <laughs> I just don't get the idea behind the shell. No, I think uh, what it know. is, it's, um, it, I think I could be wrong, but I think it's meant to be, um, uh, not a parallel, but I think it's meant to be. What's the word? Like a, like the the opposite effect to what torch would normally deal with with aliens. So right. nine times out of ten, they're normally killing aliens, trapping aliens, saving the planet. Right. Mm. So there's normally an alien race that's got a bad agenda, or you know something's happened. So I think this is like the opposite end of the scale, and the way that he describes it to um to henry parker that character because henry parker thinks it's some kind of magical medical thing you know that's keeping him alive whereas owen describes it quite beautifully really that when us as a human race sent out this satellite into earth back in the 70s it contained a load of stuff about life on earth it had music it had pictures famous texts and all that stuff so that if an alien race did uncover it millions of years in the future they'd be like all oh, right this is what life is like on earth and all that jazz this mm. is like this is basically an alien race that found that and they were like okay here's a container that contains our life but the problem is because it's alien in its truest sense they can't decode it it's just like a lovely you know energy uh, emitting kind of thing with like these lights and all that jazz. Um, but, they, but then he takes it off Henry Parker and he dies. I'm thinking, well, well, you've just killed, you've just killed him there. He was, he was quite happy with that rock and he probably would have lived a little bit longer, but no, you've taken it off him and he's died. But <laughs> I just, well, I think, um, I think he died before Owen took it off him. Yeah. I mean, Owen was so, saying, oh, it's, it's not the rock keeping you alive. Yeah, he takes it off him and he dies. I'm thinking, well, I think it might have been the rock or shell, whatever you want to call it. Well, I think yeah. that's um, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ultimately, he dies because he takes the pulse away. Yeah. Um, but the, but I think again, that's one of those things where, in a similar way, I guess that him and Maggie are having this, and I love the way, by the way, that as they go through the story, it cuts back to them on the rooftop. So mm. uh, Owen's basically telling Maggie the stuff that we're watching in between. He's telling her the story of how he's died and 
how they got to that point. So that's cool. So in a similar way that him and Maggie are kind of therapists for each other, he kind of does that for Henry, but in a much quicker time. So he, mm. I think he basically says that there was one line I think that really caught him where he said, Henry's like, I don't want to be alone in the darkness. And uh, Owen says, well, you're alone now. And it's dark yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So I, I, I kind of, it's like Owen's like, look, you have to, what's the best way to describe it? You have to pull up your big boy pants and just yeah. understand that you're going to go at some point. You know, this is not going to keep your life forever. And I think Henry kind of takes a little bit of solace in that and kind of allows himself to go sort of thing. So I think when you when you look a bit deeper, although the story on the surface is a little bit, yeah, it's not the most exciting one and it's not, you know, it's not going to win any awards for anything. Um, I think when you go a level deeper and you and, and the script and how it was written between the character interactions between Owen and some other people, it, it does, it does, it it does it for me. Put it that way, I, I did quite like it. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I hear. You. I mean, I think I was just at the start. I was just like that. You know, they really sort of hammer home that Owen's dead and he can't feel, it. and it just went on a bit long for me. I'm like, oh, he's staring at the fridge again. You know, yeah, we get it. He's bored. He can't do anything. I mean, that went on for Staring nearly 15 minutes. I was just like, I was looking at the clock on the Blu-ray player thinking, oh, come on, something happened. And well, like, is there any story? I was getting, I was just getting really frustrated with, with it. I was like, yeah, we get it. Owen's dead. Let's move on to the story. Because, you know, when he goes to the house and starts to Henry Parker's house, I said, you know, it kicks in a bit then, but that's nearly, nearly 30 minutes into the story when they send Owen in, mm-hmm. he's like, I think you need a dead man. Oh, you know, so yeah, that bit's good. And then <laughs> yeah. Richard Bryars pops up. I'm like, Oh great. So, you know, it's just getting interesting, but then it just fizzles out at the end. Um, really nice effect. I will say that like the shell sort of does this, mm-hmm. don't know, this strange thing into the sky. I really like that, but you know, you it got this fizzle. shot. Yeah. Yeah. You got this wedding as well. The girl on the roof has been, she starts telling her backstory and, and, you know, there's these flashbacks to her in a bloody red uh, wedding dress, you know, with blood all over it and stuff. And, you know, so that was added something else. I mean, this, this, you know, there is stuff going on in it. But, yeah, I just found it a bit uneven. I, I oh, just okay. was finding yeah. myself just I just really couldn't get engaged with the story, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the continue- apart from Owen, I, I must say, I, I, Owen, you know, as a character, I like Owen. He, he definitely, you know, he, he does have this sort of, he's a bit of a sort of, I'm trying to think of a uh, podcast-friendly word. He is a bit of a lad. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he can be a bit arrogant and stuff. And he definitely sort of softens. You get to know him a bit over the series. So at this, you know, at the start, I think you just think he's a bit of a a bit of a bleep. <laughs> Whereas I, by 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 this point in the tortured, I've I've actually grown to really like Owen, and you kind of just accept, you know, that's his character, and I like it. And I do do think it's a fantastic performance from Ben Gorman. I think he's looked at the script and it's really central to him and he's this is what i like when an actor does this they've grabbed it with both hands haven't they he's looked at the scripts all right this is all about owen this episode i'm really gonna i'm really gonna go for it and he does he does give a fantastic performance in it i have to say um they've alluded to this thing about death a few times now they're really trying to hammer this home that there's nothing there they, they've said it time and time again for different stories so i don't, don't know why like is that like, what are they trying to get across there there's this it's quite bleak, isn't it? They've they've done it in three or four stories now. Someone says, "What's what's happens when you die? Nothing. It's, it's <laughs> darkness. Oh right, great. But this is about the fourth or fifth time that they've 
brought that mm. into a story. Yeah, I think it's just it's probably an underlying. When they were probably writing all this stuff, I'm guessing anyway, this is just a guess, that um, Russell T. Davis and Julie Gardner probably, oh, I don't want to say Chibbers, because Chibbers did produce or co-produce a lot of the torture, didn't he? Um, yeah, he co-produced this one, yeah. Yeah, but I think probably when they're going through the series planning and all that stuff and stories, it's probably one of them has got like an underlying theme that they want to revisit, because it's a little bit darker than standard doctor who mm. certainly they wouldn't mention that stuff in sarah jane adventures but it's probably just something that's a little bit darker that you wouldn't necessarily keep coming back to in doctor who doctor who's more around uh not to be too on the nose but you know regeneration it's more that theme you know nobody really dies nobody's really gone it's that kind of vibe mm. i guess in doctor who where a torchwood's a bit more grounded i guess a bit more adult so um yeah yeah, I mean, we yeah. have like a, there's a bit of bad language in this one, isn't there? Which, are, again, is sort of um, we got lots of bad language in series one, which felt a bit for the sake of it at times. Yeah, and that's well, kind of been toned down in this series. But there was a few bits in this where I thought, well, that's sort of a bit series one. Some of the bad language and the bit where Owen's getting his hand stitched up, we we see the shot of you know them threading it a few times. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's a bit gratuitous. Like we get it. We could we could have just had that one shot and you'd have been oh, you'd have winced. Oh, they're sewing Owen's hand up. They show it us three times. Like, mm-hmm. So they've sort of gone back to the bad language and sort of gore side because it's in brackets, it's adult stuff. Yeah. Well to be fair though, they did um I didn't know this until I researched, but they did put out a family friendly epi- oh. uh, version of it that went out because the normal time for Torchwood I, th- I think was around was it nearly 10 o'clock i think it was around 10 o'clock it used to go out yeah so they so the following evening that they did uh like a an edited version family friendly i say family friendly it's still not a very (laughs) family show but um you're right you know i'd completely forgotten that they did that for i think they did it for quite a few episodes because i remember i'd completely forgotten that um because i remember thinking how the hell there was one particular episode that was just full of it's the one where they shoot the fish i think fish head oh yeah, so yeah i remember yeah. i remember thinking at the time how on earth are they gonna <laughs> edit this for family like before nine o'clock viewing because there was so much gore in it and i can't remember if they did or how they did it i can't remember what they cut out but they must have cut loads from certain episodes because mm-hmm. some of them are well full-on gore aren't they mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i forgot they did the family edit versions yeah they did yeah so the following day 7 p.m you had a pre-watershed version that went out so I, I guess they cut out some of the language and yeah uh the the, the gory it's not really that gory it's, it's not this too one wouldn't, would have been quite easy to edit wouldn't yeah. it this one doesn't have too much gore or anything but some of them do yeah yeah uh, it's interesting you said about the cast though, mate because you you that's an interesting way to look at it actually you liked the fact that this you know the main cast take a step back um, whereas I, I thought they looked thoroughly bored. I thought the whole, <laughs> apart from Owen, uh, apart from Byrne, who's on firing on all cylinders, and to a degree Tosh as well, she gets that scene where Owen's really harsh to her, actually. Um, where Because we know that Tosh is carrying a candle for, for Owen, and he really lays it on the line, doesn't he? Like, is, is this what you want? He really shouting at her, <laughs> and it's, he's really harsh to Tosh. But she, again, gives him a good performance. But apart from those two... The rest of them just look bored to death to me. But it's interesting, actually, you saying that. that Maybe I just took it the wrong way. Maybe they are just taking a step back and letting him carry the episode, which, um, 
Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's true to a point, actually. Yeah. It would be it's, difficult. It's an interesting yeah. way of looking at it, yeah. It would be difficult, I think, for Owen's character to... Well, actually not difficult. It would be too easy for the rest of the Torchwood um, cast members to bring Owen to the realisation that he doesn't want to, to die. Even though, if that makes sense, even though he's dead, that he doesn't want to, you know, completely obliterate himself. I think it would just be too easy to have the whole, let's flirt with Gwen for a while. Let's, you know, let's, although they had that scene with Tosh where he really, like you said, he's really harsh to her. Yeah. But then even so, even though he's harsh to her later on, she still says that she I loves know. him. Why does she love him? Yeah, I don't, I don't oh, know. Tosh, you could do so much better. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think uh, that's important for them to bugger off for a bit because I think it would just be treading old ground again to try and get him to come to that realisation. It's good that we had another character, like the Maggie character. And then really, the, the character of Henry at the end, uh, he's just there really to make Owen see even more that, you know, there's a purpose for him, basically. Mm, so although yeah. he's a bit of a plot device, really, although Rich, yeah, he is very cool. <laughs> there's no doubt about Richard Bryce is a great, um, a great actor and a great guy, but he's just there for, for, for Owen to progress even more. Really, and that's important that, that it was done with two newer, isolated characters rather than the other tortured guys. I think, anyway. Yeah, no, it does. That, that does make more sense. To be honest, I may maybe being a bit harsh on the cast there, but yeah, I guess they they don't really get a lot apart from Tosh. They don't really get a lot to really do. It, it's just I found it interesting the way they turn on Owen at the start of the story as well. It's like they're it's almost as if he's got the plague. They don't really want to interact with him, do they, or have anything to do with him, and he's he's left out he's become the outsider of the torchwood gang and he's got to give up his past and stuff and i was thinking but why i mean jack he's no different to jack really and there is a great line in it where owen says to jack doesn't he well you get to live forever and i get to die forever i thought yeah that's an interesting <laughs> you know it's an interesting take on it that's that's good mm. but but yeah i was thinking wouldn't jack be more sympathetic he's kind of like he should understand a bit more shouldn't he well that's the thing with uh I'm not sure if this is Barrowman or I'm not sure if this is the way that John Barrowman thought that Captain Jack should be played or mm. if he was written specifically to be like this, but he's very much like, um, there's only one scene and it probably counteracts what I said earlier about in some stories we have the whole flirty thing. Cause at the end, Martha plants one on Jack. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> we just can't get away from it sometimes. But, uh, but for the, the rest of the story, Jack is very, uh, He's gutted, basically, because he knows... Because Jack always does this, doesn't he? Where Because he's been around a bit. I don't mean sexually. I mean been around. Um, yeah. Although he has sexually as well. But, you know, he's he's got that kind of experience and wise uh, thoughts in his head because he's seen so much of the universe already and stuff like that. He can kind of see how things are going to play out. It's almost like he's been down this road before. He's got that sort of wise look about him. So you can see that he just plays it gutted for 95% of it. And uh, he, he's, he never shouts at Owen. You know, in some stories where he gets a bit shouty, especially when he's either A, not getting his own way. Yeah. Or B, he kind of does the whole American action hero thing, you know, in those two instances. He, but in this one, he's very calm. He does play it quite downtrodden because he knows that Owen's because of his 
both his physical and his mental state, he's pretty much done for. It's not until the end of the story that Owen does make that decision that he's, yep, he's got a purpose, he's going to carry on. But yeah, Barrowman plays it very uh, quiet and downtrodden. It's almost like he can see what's going to happen. So he just doesn't really want to. Yeah, he he does a lot of gazing from afar. <laughs> mm. uh, I, yeah. I didn't mind that. I'll be honest with you. I quite like it when Barrowman tones down the performance like that and, and, and plays it a little bit more reserved because yeah. um, it makes it when he does go into full Jack Harkness mode, it makes it a bit more impactful, I think, rather than being on that one tone all the time. So I quite like it when he, he, he does take it down a notch like that. He's sort of simmering, isn't he, in the background a bit. So, yeah. Yes, I'll read you do. Uh, what do you think to um, Yanto? Because he does have a cool little scene uh with with Owen. In it. there's a bit where Owen really <laughs> kind of refuses to go he's like okay fine here's my gun here's the pass and mm. Martha can you know do her test and all the rest of it but you know I'm not going there must be something I can do and quite comedically like well we need someone to make the coffee oh yeah <laughs> even though Yanto like, really seriously does that but he kind of does yeah. it and there's that scene where He's trying to operate the coffee machine and Yanto does try and give him a bit of a pep talk. He's like, look, I've known you to save, you know, thousands of people and you're not going to let this beat you sort of thing. So that was kind of a, an okay scene between those two. So yeah, Gareth David Lloyd. It's pretty good in that. Yeah. I mean, he does do those scenes quite well, doesn't he? I think Gareth David Lloyd. I'd, I mean, yeah, that's the only bit I can remember him being in, if I'm honest. A bit like Eve Miles. I think she gets about two lines, doesn't she? Mm. There's a, hard, yeah. There is a funny scene when he does bring the coffee in to the meeting room. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. When he walks away, they all change it because they know he's got it wrong. Yeah. And they make yeah. sure he's not looking. Little moments like that are quite cool. That was a nice moment, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, other than Tosh, really, and a little bit of Captain Jack, the rest of them are quite quiet, as you said. Uh, just quickly, then, uh, the two characters. So, first of all, Maggie. Uh, played by uh, Christine uh, Christine Botter, Bottomley. What mm. did you think to her? Because she has to play a very distraught, upset, uh, kind of freaked out in a way. She's basically sitting next to a dead person. So how do you think she, she coped with all that? Because she's in it, you know, on and off all the way through. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really feel anything towards her. I don't know if it was just the performance of the actor or, I don't know. I just found her really bland. And I think there was a really interesting character there in, in the script. So I, I don't know. I don't, just don't think she really delivered in the performance because, yeah, it's, you know, she's there. She's going to commit suicide and we get the flashbacks to the, her wedding day and all that. But I just didn't feel anything towards her at all. <laughs> don't know if I'm just being – maybe I just wasn't in the mood for this episode. I don't know. But, yeah, I just wasn't engaged with any, any of that. I was just like, okay. Because I think you know she's not going to she, jump. You know, it's, I mean, not that I wanted her to, but yeah. Well, he nearly she throws just, her off at one point. Well, yeah, that woke me up. I remember that that was a bit <laughs> where I was I was really drifting off. And then, yeah, he, as I said, once again, Bern Gorman just coming to the fore. And I was like, oh, what's happening now? So, yeah, there is that scene. But yeah. no, I mean, it wasn't a bad performance from, what was the actor called, actress called? Uh, Christine Bottomley. Yeah, but I don't know. Didn't really do anything for me, dude, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah she was okay she was all right i think uh I, yeah she was just okay 
Richard yeah, Bryan's. Well, Richard, I, I'm so glad he was in it actually, because I didn't know he was. I don't. I have watched this once before, but I'd completely forgotten mm-hmm. it. It was like I was watching an, an episode I'd never seen, to be honest. Um, so yeah, when Richard Bryan's popped up, I was delighted because it sort of brought me back into the story. I was like, "Wow, the chief caretaker." Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think, considering he's only in it for a small time. Uh, I think it was a really nice performance. He is he is a great actor, Richard Bryce. I mean, I know he in Paradise Towers he goes way over the top, but it's been interesting watching the season 24 when you watch the behind the scenes and how seriously he's taking it. It's bizarre that he then gives that performance that we get on screen. It's just a misjudgment, I think. Whereas in yeah. this, he's really playing it straight and um, it's a very natural performance, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought it was very good. It's, it's probably the best scene in it for me. Uh, the scene between him and Owen, like you said, when Owen's talking to him saying, you've you've been in the dark for ages and all that stuff. I thought that that was a good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm glad he was in it. It definitely, it definitely brought something to it that I felt was needed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was, he was okay, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's not much, well, in terms of direction from Andy Goddard there's not really much you can do you just mm-hmm. have to in, I think in that scenario again I'm guessing but in that scenario you just have to let those kind of actors do their thing you know give them a little bit of a uh, a talk around the scenario about why they're there and and all that stuff and then just like action and just see if it was a if it was an inexperienced actor or somebody that wasn't you know you could see they needed help then that probably could have gone one of a few ways that scene. They could have been a lot more uptight or they could have been a lot more played, you know, on death's door kind of thing. But yeah, I think Richard Bryce, he just, he plays it kind of as you would expect is the best way to put it. Yeah. I think yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. And then lastly, um, uh, I didn't hear any music dude in this really. Did you hear much in a way? I know Ben Foster was doing the music, but uh, normally, this type of se- uh, of of story uh, across Torchwood, Doctor Who, or Sarah Jane, you normally hear those kind of uh, emotional themes Ooh. that kind of try and pull at the heartstrings a little bit. I didn't hear hear much in this one in terms of music. No, I've got to be honest. The only bit that sticks in my mind, I'm not even sure if it's the music or the visuals, but I think the music added to it um, was the very start. I, and that's probably the bit I really liked was when Owen's doing the voiceover at the start. And uh, you see him underwater and you're not quite sure what the hell's going on. Uh, I really liked that pre-title opening. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was really good. And I think there was good music there. can't remember. I just remember thinking, oh, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so possibly the music was good there. Um, just before we wrap up, dude, just to mention Freema as Martha. I said earlier I felt like she's wasted because she's been brought, brought back or she's been brought into the series, if you like, for three episodes don't you feel she's been a bit wasted i think she, she got quite a lot to do in the first one she was in can't mm. remember now what happened in the sort of second one but uh um, well she was just uh really she was just there again you can tell that there were certain characters that were there just to provide some kind of character development for owen so she was there to provide the you're not good enough anymore. We've replaced you with someone else. It's that yeah, kind yeah, of vibe. I guess. You yeah, know. I just felt like she'd been a bit wasted in in. Well, she in was, that yeah, for that reason. Yeah, yeah she yeah. wasn't. She wasn't there because she's Martha Jones. 
she was there because we need Owen to feel like he's useless. Yeah. You know, but you know, uh, and it was sad at the end as well, because on two points, number one, they didn't give her a lift to the station, <laughs> which is pretty harsh. And second That's of rude. all, she's walking in the wrong direction in Cardiff Bay. She's walking through, I think it's called Roald Dahl's, Roald Dahl something. So she's walking like that direction to the water. There's nothing there. You need to walk the other way towards the train station or wherever you're going. She probably got to the end and went, oh, dope. She turned around (laughs) to see the guys and they'd gone. Oh, yeah. 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 Not the best. (laughs) Yeah. And I still can't get over this bloody thing that they do all the time where they have to do the whole Jack and somebody flirting or kissing him or something. I'm dreading the next episode. Did you watch the next time trailer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got Jack and Gwen having a good old snog, and I thought, oh, no. Here we go. I'm actually dreading it. Yeah. I, do you know, it's weird, because I was really looking forward to doing this Torchwood rewatch, because I haven't watched it for so long, and I really <laughs> remember liking it back in the day. Mm. It's really not living up to my memories, uh, some of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying bits of it, but there are bits that are really grating on me on a rewatch, and the Jack and Gwen thing is one of them. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I think, uh, I could be wrong. I'm Like you, I haven't seen it in so long, but... Oh, no. Same. I think from Series 3... Well, Series 3, is that Children of Earth or Miracle yes, Day? One of the yes. two. Yes, Children of Earth. Yeah. So I think from that point on, it gets a little bit more... Uh, not as cringy and not as unnecessary. For, like, I think so. I remember really liking Children of Earth. I'm yeah. really hoping it's as good as I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Is there anything else you want to mention, mate, before we slap the no, score? No, I don't on think one? so. Nope. No. Right. I think it's you to go first, dude. Is yeah, it's me to go first. And as I said, uh, I, uh, apologies to Joe Lister because, um, you know, we are friends in a sense. And uh, But I, one thing I, w- I will always say is we do, I will always give my honest opinion on this podcast. It's, it, you know, I will, there are other people that are involved in the show that we know and meet up with at BFI. And uh, sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I can't say that because. You know, when I see them, it's going to be awkward. But then there's no point in me doing a podcast if I'm not going to give my honest opinion. So um, I will always do that. And yeah, for me, this just, yeah, I just found it a bit unengaging this episode. So I'm going to give it a five out of 10. A five? Yeah. Potentially one of your lowest, sc- that's your lowest score of the year so far. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I didn't, I just didn't enjoy it particularly. Your other lowest score? your next lowest score was also a Torchwood episode. It was the one before this, Dead Man Walking. You gave oh, it a six. I give that? A six, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's you are absolutely true of what you just said about not enjoying Torchwood. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely just not as good as I remembered so far. Yeah. So, for me, I'm going to give this a 6.5. Okay, that's fair enough. Yes. What did you give the last one? The last one I gave a 6.5. Oh, so you think it's on par with that? Fair yeah. enough, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think mainly that's uh, Bern Gorman's uh, performance that's given it most of that score, if I'm honest. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah I will yeah. say he was brilliant at it. Most of my score is for Bern. Yeah, yeah. I read you. Okie dokie, so a 5 from him, 6.5 from me. What did our awesome listeners think? Before we get onto socials, we had uh, three audio clips in from our usuals. Mm. So let's crack straight on. It's Sammy from Down Under. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satoon here. So, John Barrowman. All I have to say about him is, well, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. 
Followed by an image of someone in incandescent rage, followed by the hashtag enough is enough. Anyway, a day in the death. It's a good story. Oh, and it's good in this. Bernd Gorman does a great job. The rest of the team don't do much. Richard Bryars as Henry Parker is good. I knew him best as Hector MacDonald in Monarch of the Glen. Also, the first program I saw Tom Baker in. I give it eight pulses out of ten. See ya. An eight from Monarch, Sammy. Monarch of the Glen. That's a blast from the past, isn't it? Monarch of the Glen, yeah. That's, are we going back to the 80s? 90s? I can't remember. <laughs> 90s, yeah. 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 Uh, thank you very much, Sammy. Uh, moving on, this is TarlisNet66. This story wasn't quite as good as I remembered. I think it's still good and very much enjoyed it, but I do think I very much preferred the second episode of the trilogy more. It had more storyline and more stakes to it, and more of a sinister scare factor. I think seeing Owen dealing with the fact that he is forever dead and forever nothing, and seeing his emotional response in that everything has changed and seeing him break down is very tragic. But I feel the plot is very disposable and the science somewhat questionable. But there are some great emotional scenes of Owen sitting with an old Henry Parker as he dies and helping Maggie as she is about to commit suicide. And in the end, as a very positive message about the value of life. It's strong and worth watching, just very disposable in my eyes. I think I'd give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. 7. A 7, not a bad score. Not a bad score, but uh, TN66, you are absolutely right. Um, the science is very loosey-goosey <laughs> in this year. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for your review. A, a 7 out of 10, not bad. Lastly, this is Neil Campbell. What about you fellas? How's it going? So, Torchwood, A Day in the Death. I'll cut straight to it. I really enjoyed this episode. Obviously, it's very own heavy, um, and that's cool. And, um, you know, it's it's him dealing with what he now can or cannot do. And, you know, there's some, that, that scene where he's with Tosh, and he's really nasty to her. It's so harsh, but he breaks his fingers and stuff. That's pretty vile to be honest but the scene where he jumps into the water and then when he gets out and Jack's standing there and he's been timing him and stuff I thought that was very good and um, the whole dynamic of the episode where he's on the roof speaking um to your woman and you know it's sort of talking about how his day's been and stuff and then he convinces her not to jump I think that's really really cool um, and by the way some cracking themes from Ben Foster um, not even just in this episode but in Torchwood altogether superb stuff and um, obviously martha leaves um during this episode um, and that shot of her walking off uh in cardiff is uh pretty nice um you alluded to it the other week gary when you were talking about how the doctor who universe you know watching it back then it was it was such fun and i couldn't agree more it really really was and i always laugh because back then my girlfriend of that time she thought doctor who was the biggest pile of rubbish but she really 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 liked torchwood and um, which i always find funny um but that's me going off on a tangent as per so all in i'm going to give this an eight out of ten cheers <laughs> very nice very nice an eight out of ten that's not a bad score for this one yeah indeed yeah but uh Neil, I I can't get my head around the themes from this one, dude, from Ben Foster. I, for some reason, the music just uh, seems to go and pass me by. Normally, with we comment on the music. Mm. But uh, yeah, this one, maybe you're listening to something, listening to something I'm not. But yeah, anyway, an 8 out of 10. I, you know, I've just got a vision of, um, this is just, just listening to these audio reviews as well. I've just got a vision of Owen on the top of the roof of that shell at the end, and it's all that 
lovely glowing light, and then he just accidentally drops it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, yeah, just drops it and it just shatters, and yeah. <laughs> Because they've neutralised it at that point, so it wouldn't even explode. It would just be like you've dropped a vase or something. And... Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, dear. So let's move on to socials then. Over on Twitter, we had a few there. So Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, said, a decent story with some unintentional, hilarious moments like Owen jumping into the sea. <laughs> the scenes between Owen and Maggie were well handled. The performance from Byrne Gorman is excellent and a surprisingly upbeat ending, unusual for Torchwood. Owen, Richard Bryars is in it. <laughs> uh, Doctor Who Home says I was always an Owen fan so I really enjoy this it's got some great action scenes but maybe a little forgettable I'll give it a 7 out of 10 it could have been higher if only they let Richard Pryor's go full zombie mode like in Paradise Towers oh gosh oh, God, yeah, that'd be good. and Chippy T says not being, an, uh, not being able to die is an interesting concept maybe Jack should have pulled Owen to one side and said tell me about that <laughs> a good mm. examination of the mental struggles of Owen. Enjoyable, 7.5. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Twitterers. Uh, over on Facebook, Joseph Howarth said, I will admit I've hated Owen in the first season because of his character, but was in general. But I must say, this is a great character study episode for him. It shows that he's gone through a lot of, uh, in terms of character development, uh, what's happened to him and how he views being alive slash dead. Uh, it's pretty emotional and there are quite a few moments that I liked about it, including the exchange he has with Parker, which I found very sad and tragic. Uh, this defiantly worth, uh, worth a watch in terms of Torchwood, an 8 out of 10. Mm. And lastly, Andrew Stewart says, I feel like Owen and this really developed his character. I didn't really like how they had it, added the whole Maggie jumping off a roof storyline, apart from the nice ending. But I do enjoy this one. Martha's exit is a bit awkward when she kisses Jack, but I thought it was a good exit. For a guy who can't feel anything, he is really torn apart by Mr. Parker's death. But the chemistry between them was really good overall. So a seven out of ten. Seven, okay. A seven. Thank you very much, dudes, for your reviews and replies and uh, your thoughts. Very much appreciated, as always. Next week, dude, we are back to some modern Doctor Who. What we got? Yeah, so 11th Doctor next week, and it's going to be the Pandorica Opens, The Big Bang. Well, okay. And The Big Bang, so and, two, both yeah. parts, yeah. Pandorica Opens and The Big Bang. Nice. Looking forward to that, dude. I'm on a bit of a, a Matt Smith... Uh, what riding the wave of Matt Smith at the minute? Every time that I've watched him, or, or when we've watched uh, a review uh, on the show for a Matt Smith story. So when we did the eleventh hour a couple of months ago, and I've watched a couple of other Matt Smith since then, I just really enjoy him more and more every time. Oh, we see he's him. great! Yeah. I absolutely love Matt's Doctor. I'm very much looking forward to rewatching this. Uh, even though I love his Doctor, I haven't watched this one for a very, very long time. Series five, isn't it? Is it Series 5? It's the, yeah, Series 5 uh, it's the finale. finale, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this rewatch. Indeed, yes. So then, let's wrap there, dude, for 315. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back to another week to listen to us waffle on 
about Doctor Who and in this case Torchwood it's been great to have you here uh, if you're new to the show this is your first time then welcome aboard the TARDIS it's great to have you uh, if you're coming back from uh, years of listening to the show if you're one of the grizzled ancients then welcome back it's good to have you all here uh, remember you can listen to this show for free in whatever podcast app you get your podcast on just do a search of the big blue box podcast or head over to our website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can find links to all those things there and if you've got a minute to leave us a review that would be awesome because it helps us out loads and loads in all of those podcast directories and, and whatnot uh, next week uh, I forgot to mention as Adam said we are reviewing the 11th Doctor story the series 5 finale the Pandorica opens and the Big Bang so get your Blu-rays or DVDs out get that watched because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always we are on the socials too Instagram, Twitter and Facebook uh, give us a search on there you'll find us or there are links on the website come and hang out and uh, and chat Doctor Who along with our Discord server it's free to join got a really good community of Who fans over there you can chat Doctor Who about all sorts of stuff uh, so come and do that and remember as we said earlier my co-host Adam he's on YouTube isn't he? it's only yeah. the Geek's Handbag earning the big bucks and on YouTube <laughs> don't spend it all at once on Who 63p, Collectibles 63p I think yeah. I earned this year yeah yeah, go and give Adam some love over on YouTube. Check out all of his videos. And remember to subscribe to his channel so that when a, yeah. a cool video does land, you will see it immediately. Uh, so grab a drink, get comfy. There's loads of cool stuff over on Adam's channel there. And Adam's on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Go and give him a like and a follow over there. So we can all chat about Doctor Who on social media because there's not enough of that <laughs> no. going on at the minute. Mm. So right, bud, until next week for 316, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, it's... Hey. 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 Hey.